Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast. I'm sitting with Samantha Shorkey. Yes, I <laughs> yep. got it. I'm terrible. I always destroy names. She <laughs> is a fitness expert, a blogger, a published author, and a podcaster. Am I forgetting something? That's good. That's a good summary. <laughs> so how are you doing? And a coach. Did you say a coach? And, uh, <laughs> obviously. I said a fitness expert. Right, right. That means you do everything that has to do with fitness, but you're everything. a vegan fitness expert. Exactly. So what's going on? How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Let's make it look like we weren't talking for I was two gonna hours say. before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, too much to talk about, but we'll save the good stuff for everyone else. Well, you know what? Let's start where we left off. Um, we, you were, we were talking about the fitness industry and how, because how it started is that I was saying that I'm not the big, I, I don't like posting shirtless pictures. I, I never do. And I, I like to keep that stuff for me, my girlfriend and leave it there. Mm -hmm. But it is normal if you're in the fitness industry to show the result of something. Mm -hmm. It attracts, let's not lie to each other. If you're a fat fitness coach, you're probably not going to get as much clients as you could. True. And that's my belief as well, though. I did yeah. do a whole podcast on that topic of whether people would hire somebody who didn't have a body that they admired. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at how many people got defensive and said, yes, of course I would. And, you know, how do you know they're not injured or you don't know their background? Maybe they have the knowledge. But I guess for me, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes. And that's, it's not what you know, but what you yeah. do consistently. And yeah. I personally, like I've, I had a child since I've been a coach and, you know, obviously any woman listening who's had children can relate. It completely changes your body. And, you know, it's, uh, it makes you stronger in a lot of ways, I think, to be able to bounce back after a pregnancy. And I'm proud to say I'm rocking crop tops again. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, I, I would feel like a hypocrite. I don't think I could provide the best coaching experience for people if I didn't feel like I bust my own ass and I, you know, put in the work to have a great physique. But on the topic of what we were just saying um, before we decided to actually start recording is that um, <laughs> something I pride myself on is that I every single fitness photo shoot I've ever done. I've had a lot of creepy photographers try to take it in one direction. And in my mind, I always thought, what would my dad think if he were to see this photo? And I'm so proud of myself that I always had that mentality because if you look at any photo of me, yes, there are, you know, stage shots of me competing in a bikini. And of course there's the fitness shots of, you know, showing the butt, but if you look at my Instagram, I have almost 13,000 followers and there's not one slutty photo of me on there. And that just goes to show that clearly people aren't just looking for, you know, who's showing the most skin and, and who, you know, is soft core porn on Instagram. Yes, there is that audience, but I don't want those people. Those people aren't buying what I'm selling. And I'm very proud of that fact. That is a phenomenon that's absolutely foreign to me it blows my mind that all people need to do is to take their shirt off and do soft porn like you said that's a very good word for it 
Mm-hmm. It blows my mind that I get so much attention. Mm-hmm. And but is it what kind of attention is it getting? You know, are those guys, those creepy guys that, you know, are following these fitness stars, are they buying their meal plans? Are they buying their cookbooks? Probably not. You know, I love that most of my audience is female. And again, what we were saying before we started recording is what people connect to is realness and relatability. And even though we might be fitness, you know, pros or whatever, we, there's an element of relatability there and respect. And I, I guarantee all of these people with, you know, skin bearing, you know, close-ups of their ass and breasts on every photos. I wonder how much genuine respect they get. Well, they probably don't get a lot of it. That's for mm-hmm. sure. The It's a psychological principle too, that you will be catering to the bottom in life, they say that about 95% of the men, so if you look at the most beautiful women you can think, 5% of men get all the women they want because they're the ones that are more desirable. Mm-hmm. So most of those people that take those type of pictures are not attracting the top men out there. They're attracting the bottom feeders <laughs> that know. It, it's bad to say, and most people don't want to hear this, but if you have a lot of followers and that's what you're showing. Chances are that a lot of your followers are those bottom feeders. Yeah. All they do is like women like that or like men like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll comment. They'll like what you're doing, but they don't give a fuck about what you have to say. Mm-hmm. All, all they care about is soft porn that they're getting their little. Um, they like to get their little fix of endorphin and a dopamine when they're exactly. on Instagram. But you know what? I, if there wasn't money to be made, they wouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah, true. Or they're seeking other things like validation, right? And, or the attention. Possible. Exactly. I'm sure. And I mean, we all like to be validated, right? Of course, like, let's be honest, but I would rather get it through other means, like people saying, I really resonated with your podcast kind of yeah. thing, rather than, wow, you have a really nice ass. Sure. I like both, but <laughs> You know, one one probably makes me feel a little bit better than the other. The fact that you have a nice ass is the one that makes you feel well, better. Well, right? that's a given. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the you know, but that you bring up a good point though. For somebody that's competed, do you not? I've always felt, and it might be just a wrong impression of me, but I've always felt that a lot of the people that competes have a taste for feeling needed feeling looked at like they need the attention like actors for example if you look at most actors they love the attention that they're doing that they're getting and that's why they're doing it yeah so do you find that that's a good percentage of people that competes they do it for the attention or well, why do they do it let me ask you this that I, way why would they do it it's funny because oftentimes i will get potential new clients come to me and they'll say, oh, I, you know, have a disordered eating background or, you know, I have really low self-esteem and I'm convinced that doing this, this competition is going to make me the most confident, beautiful, you know, sexy version of myself. And I'm like, whoa, no, definite, the total opposite. 
you are probably going to come away from this sport feeling more insecure than you ever have because you're literally putting yourself on stage to be judged and scrutinized on the most shallow level possible. Um, I think for me, I may be a bit of an exhibitionist. So I think I do... There's an element of me that gets off, but it's the same as how I feel like giving a presentation. Like I love that feeling of having an audience, just like we were saying, I like going to the gym because I like working out with an audience. So I'm also a very extroverted person. So I think for me, it's having all eyes on me and that like butterflies in the stomach feeling and Hey, I'm half naked on stage. And this is, you know, nerve wracking, but also like kind of hot in a way that's, I guess the, why I got into it. I think a lot of people will say like, no, I'm doing it as a vegan to show what's possible as a vegan. Yes. That's part of it, but let's be honest. Like we're all doing it because it's good motivation if I have a show in three months time from now, you, I know I'm going to be really strict on my diet and, you know, I'm sure there are other reasons that we're all doing it, um, more than just as a vegan to show what's possible on a vegan diet. A lot of people try to play that card. <laughs> I did it too. <laughs> it's, we spoke about this earlier, but it's, uh, it's hard to admit your own faults. Mm-hmm. It's hard to admit your own little things that it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and say, the reasons why I'm doing this is for this. Let, let's find a good beneficial reason why I'm doing it. Not the real reason that's a bit shameful, mm-hmm. but yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of. You like the attention. At least you know it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you're not, you're not making porn. could be worse. I'm just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that you know of. <laughs> yeah, not that we're, yeah, exactly. No, that's true. Good point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But the <laughs> how what would you say to what do you say to your clients that say that exactly? That say uh if I were to compete, they would if I get to do a diet and exercise properly with a goal in mind of competing, how would you tell them that the end result might not be what they think it's going to be? Because they're looking for confidence building in order to step on that stage. The process is going to be great because they'll learn how to diet properly, how to exercise properly to gain the look that they want to have so that they feel they can go on stage. But what would you tell them about the end result, about how you're, you can feel walking away from that stage not winning and you know that the judges criticized you on the most shallow portion of you. Yeah. I, well, I think everyone needs to know that it's not like every other sport where there is a clear definitive winner. There's a finish line and, you know, it's easy to figure out who the winner is. Whereas with bodybuilding, as much fun as it is, uh, you know, you're, there's three to five random strangers and they're choosing the winner based solely on their personal opinion. And a lot of it is political, unfortunately, you know, maybe this judge's best friend coached this girl. So, you know, it's, it's, and, and I think it's so important that when you choose to compete in, in this sport to go into it with the mindset of learning. And I always, one of my like famous lines is always 
focus more on self-discovery, not just self-improvement. And so instead really gain like, you know, the fact that you are learning how to eat properly in order to gain muscle and shred down and, and what your body is capable of, because it is pretty amazing when you are on this very restrictive diet, what is possible, um, but don't go into it thinking that, you know, you're going to come out of it suddenly a more confident person, right? Because it just doesn't work that way. And to be honest, a lot of girls who have told me they come from a disordered eating background, I won't even take them on as a client because I'm a big believer in karma. And I know that I would probably be a good coach for them because I would be mindful of the fact that they have, you know, these other issues going on. But this is not the sport for them. And I'll often say, how about instead let's, uh, you know, prep you for like a sexy photo shoot for your boyfriend or your husband or something like that, or for yourself. Uh, or if you're going on a vacation somewhere, let's work towards getting you looking beach ready, but let's not put you up on stage where you're standing against a whole bunch of other people being compared, you know, for your body, because it's probably not going to cure you of, you know, the issues that, are already there it's probably going to make them worse good on you for doing that <clears throat> good on you for for being honest with them because obviously you know better because you've mm -hmm. been there but how destructive could that be to somebody that has an eating disorder just to be compared to others just the way they would feel coming out that stage you know that the last four months will not matter anymore mm-hmm all the work that they've done, all the self-improvement, all the self-discovery that they've had during that X number of months is completely down the drain. Mm -hmm. And all they're worried about is the feeling that they got when they stepped off that stage. Exactly. And sadly, because they Ooh. have been in such a restrictive state for yeah. so long, the second that show is over, you almost feel like, a well, first of all, you go and binge on every food <laughs> under the sun that you haven't been able to eat for all this time. But then also a big part of it is you feel like this lost little puppy, like, okay, well, now that that's not hanging over my head anymore, what now? And unfortunately, a lot of these coaches out there don't offer like a reverse dieting program to help them get back into a normal way of eating and a, a healthy amount of exercise. And so they end up ballooning and gaining these, your body's like suddenly so grateful for all this food that it holds on to everything in fear of starvation again. And then all that work that they put in for months is you know, all that weight back on and sometimes even worse. And then it starts that vicious cycle, right. Of binging and restricting and binging and restricting. And I've seen it too many times. I've even myself, like after my first show, we all make that mistake. So it's a slippery slope. I love the sport. I will always, you know, be happy to help people compete if that's a goal of theirs. But I think it's important everybody goes into it knowing that there's an evil side to it as well. And I talk very openly on my podcast about this a lot. So, um, you know, if people want to work with me. At least I there's no bullshit with me on uh, what to expect. That, that makes me think of uh, something we spoke beforehand, because that's a that's a point that we absolutely have to speak about the the farting for the vegan bodybuilder. How did you call it? Because that's a no <laughs> bullshit type of comment. Anybody out there that's been vegan long enough that needs a lot of protein for building muscle. We've all been bloated because beans mm -hmm. will bloat the mm -hmm. shit out of you. And 
you fart and vegans mm-hmm. farts smell bad <laughs> holy shit well, i think any terrible. bodybuilder you know Oof. is known for for having a lot of farts because they're eating a high protein diet well yeah. vegan bodybuilders were eating a high fiber high protein yeah. diet so yeah i if i had a nickel for every client <laughs> that comes to me saying um yeah it's going great except like i'm really gassy i'm like yeah you got the vegan farts it's normal don't worry about it and i'd be lying if i said it goes away like i think you just get better at learning tactics like don't eat raw cruciferous vegetables you know cook those cruciferous veggies uh take digestive enzymes they'll help a lot things like uh, ginger is a great natural digestive aid that will help with that and um you know, avoid those fake sugars. A lot of those artificial sweeteners or chewing gum. A lot of people when they're in prep, they're starving. So they're eating a ton of gum. That's just putting more air in your, your belly. And basically my best advice is to go read my most popular blog post, AKA the vegan bodybuilders guide to farting and bloating at jackedonthebeanstock.com. So what's the, what's the top three things you'd say to someone to try to counter the vegan farts? Well, I would first ask what protein powder they're consuming, because as we were saying earlier, there's basically three main plant-based proteins out there. There'll be hemp, uh, rice, or pea. And pea is the most common one that you find in all the big name protein powders. The problem is like, yes, texture wise, it's, it's great. It tastes awesome, but it can be fart and bloat city. So I personally prefer a rice-based pro uh, protein hemp. We were saying it basically tastes like you're eating dirt Mm -hmm. uh, and it's higher in fat. So depending, you know, if you're really trying to cut body fat, then you wouldn't want to go with a higher fat protein powder. Um, so I personally like rice, but pea protein, I would definitely investigate what is in your protein powder. That could be a big reason why you're feeling extra farty. Um, and then yeah, taking digestive enzymes and probiotics. That's a big one that I recommend to everybody, um, just to help your body metabolize all those carbs and, and proteins you're eating, um, drinking lots of water. That'll help big time. Um, things like choosing foods that do the opposite of creating fart and bloat. Like I said, cruciferous veggies, if you're eating them raw, they're probably going to cause some digestive issues for you. But if you start to cook them and maybe lean towards um, the vegetables like asparagus and, and ones that'll have the opposite effect, um, d- drink dandelion root tea. That's a good one. Um, and I should mention, too, that <laughs> because I talk about farting so much, I actually one time had a fart fetishist reach out to me uh, and offer me $500 to fart in his face. Now, the real question is, did you do it? (laughs) (laughs) No, I wanted to bring him on my podcast, actually, because I was so fascinated. Like, where does this fetish come from? Right. That's that's I'm all for fetishes. And and, that's interesting, though. Yeah, it is because that that did he did you speak to him about it? Yeah, he's this very sweet kid in his early 20s. um, And he said nothing sexual. I'll provide all the snacks. (laughs) Just fart in my face for $500 cash and that's it. So did, did you, did, but did you get to speak to him on a podcast about it? No, because he kept insisting that he would do the podcast and answer all of my questions as long as I would fart on his face 
on the podcast. And I kept saying, no, I'm bringing you to the masses. I'm not part of the show here. (laughs) And then it just got weird. So I said, I stopped talking to him. That's very interesting. though. I, I would love to know how he discovered that he loved farts. Yeah. Like, was it a teacher walked by him one day? And especially just, at that age, you'd think most guys don't become extra dirty until mid thirties. I would we're say. We're always, per- we're perverts <laughs> from, you have a son, he's a pervert. You just but don't know what he's But early twenties to have such an oh, obscure yeah. fetish oh, at early twenties. Yeah, know- <laughs> oh, you know that in your early teens. Interesting. I, well, maybe he'll be on be- your podcast. Maybe you I would can totally get him. speak to well, <laughs> I'd love to know. I'd definitely love to know where, why the hell would you like farts? I don't understand. That. And I wonder if anyone could fart in his face or it was specifically me. It has, there has to be a sexual, there is a sexual component to it. It's a fan. Right. It's, but that's a good question. You should ask him. You should talk to him again just to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, on my fart podcast, I was telling a story about this one time I ate a bag of dried apricots from bulk barn and they had uh, sulfites in it because sulfites is a major cause of digestive upset. And I went to train a client and of course was very farty. And that's how I started this podcast. So I'm sure he was very turned on by this story and maybe that's what sparked him to reach out to me. That's very interesting. (laughs) I'd be very curious to know where the idea came from. Me too. Well, you should contact him again. (laughs) He still messages me on Twitter from time to time. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I think he has a little crush. (laughs) Yeah, chances are he does. There's for sure that there is a a sexual component to it. Right. There's no doubt about it. There has to be. (laughs) I wonder if your your audience is enjoying this as well. Well, it is intriguing, right? There's a lot of weird fetishes out there, but that was a first for me. Well, it's, I'm, this is, I've never admitted that on, on recording, but I am, I don't want to say I'm a fan of psychology. Mm -hmm. So I do love to read about serial killers. Mm. I've read so many books on the subject because I like the, I I don't want to say I like, because this sounds very strange, but it fascinates me the way they become serial killers. Mm -hmm. It's always an attachment. Most of them are men, obviously. And it's always goes in a situation with their parents, mm-hmm. especially their mothers. Oh, they almost all come from very abusive mothers. Mm-hmm. And the stories that they have are very strange. Oh. Like the way it started, it's it's one of those things that can just happen. You and I would never, we just brush it off. But because they're at the right age, their brain is still developing. They attach to that idea. And it never leaves them. So it's probably exactly what happened to that guy. Right. Something specific <laughs> happened in his life. He stuck to it. And now he's obsessed <laughs> with farting women. <laughs> that is very, I've never heard that one before. Me that's neither. Very, that's so that very, is very one strange. fun part about being a vegan online coach is you get all kinds of interesting people reaching out. <laughs> is, he, is he the weirdest? I've definitely had a few guys be interested in uh, me being a dominatrix for them. Um, And then just a a lot of guys sending me shirtless photos, a lot of guys who bought my cookbooks. 
uh, and, you know, wanting <laughs> me to see what their vegan body looks like. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I would assume most women in the fitness online space probably yeah. get the same. I just get the vegan guys. <laughs> oh, and I did it. do a podcast on uh, baldness once. And oh, you'll like this, Nico. I said, I, I've always had a thing for bald men. And then I was just like, had must have had probably 10, 10 bald guys on Twitter. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you guys are you guys are probably targeted a lot by weird guys or just yeah i don't want to say weird guys because they're probably just guys but women don't reach i don't know that if women reach out as much to the people they find attractive as men do i don't know well they probably do but in a more innocent way it's probably more you know commenting on what you post as opposed to being more aggressive they don't chase as much i guess yeah right you're probably right Because I've got a lot of gay guys hit on me, though. I think I even saw that on some of the comments on oh. your photos. <laughs> and some of them oh, on Messenger, I've I've gotten dick pics. I've gotten quite oh, a really. Yeah, <laughs> I call yeah. that junk mail. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> but guys are a lot worse on that part than mm. women are. I wouldn't. Women will hit on you, but they're more a lot more polite about it. Right. They're a lot, lot more polite. They're, yeah, they're a lot. They're not as direct. Right. But dick pics, that's pretty aggressive, especially not knowing whether you're gay or not. I mean. It's always the opening question. Hmm. Are you sure you're straight or are you bisexual? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not bisexual. And yes, I'm convinced that I'm straight. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with it, but right. it's, yeah, getting dick pic. I, I, I feel bad for you guys because that's just fucking terrible. I must admit, I don't get that many. And you know what's a good, um, uh, having a child, I think now I get far more, far fewer creepy messages. That must be like a, deflector big time like, oh she's a mom now and now i have to be more respectful <laughs> you know why though why probably that they see you as a mom they think about theirs and that's oh, like the biggest maybe. boner killer ever right maybe yeah, oh you, you do realize that for a man at least and for women it's like that one of the first conversation you should ever have with a guy that you meet is their relationship with their mother. Mm. How is that relationship? It will tell you exactly the type of uh, relationship you'll probably have with him. Do you feel that about women and their fathers? Ab absolutely. It's, oh, it's a question okay. that I've asked many, many times. Oh, interesting. Oh. How is the relationship with your, with your father? Because your father, and I'm talking generally into a situation where the, the daughter had access to sorry, had access to her father. She, he is the first man that she will ever meet. Mm -hmm. So without even knowing, like unconsciously, she will associate manliness with what her dad is. Right. So growing up, chances are that if you had a very good, healthy relationship with your father, you will be looking th that that normally means that your father was a good person, took care, good, took good care of you. So the man that you will be looking for 
are very similar to what your dad was. I, he, I don't know. I know that I see where you're coming from, yeah, but I yeah. have a, I have one of the greatest dads in the world. So My he's parents not bald? are no, he, and he has a full on <laughs> beard and mustache and he has had that since I was born and I am not into full beards at all. And he's still has a full head of hair in mid seventies. And uh, he's like a nerdy accountant. And I'm not into that <laughs> at but it's, all. But it's not physically though. You got to be careful. Right. I'm Actually, talking, yeah. Okay. Because I'm not, I, what I'm talking about are psychological traits and the way that he would have made you feel. Because physically, that would be really fucked up. If right. you're attracted, <laughs> if you're attracted to guys that looks like your dad, actually, I had a date. I had a date last yeah. week with a guy who I said, "I'm sorry, but you look a lot like my dad," and I'm sure that was a boner kill for him. And I haven't seen him since, but <laughs> it was uh, weird for me because I was thinking, I don't know if I can make out with this guy. He reminds me of my dad. You know. I had that realization when my mom and my grandmother are great cooks. They used to cook for me my whole childhood. And there's an expression that says that a man's heart is through his stomach. Mm -hmm. And it always makes me think of my mother and my grandmother. And I've noticed that one of the things I, lo I love the most about my girlfriend is that she she's Italian. So all of her family cooks like it's there's nothing else they know how to do. Mm -hmm. And she does the same thing. She's always, 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 always cooking. Mm. And I've realized over the years that the re I always was attracted to women that could cook. cook. Yeah, And it comes because my mother and my grandmother raised me like that. Mm. So I'm not attracted to women that looks like them. <laughs> but right. those certain traits, like certain qualities that you see in the way your parents were and the flip side to flaws that they had, you will tend to look or not like that right? in the people that you have in your life. Yeah, no, you're right. But I would say I like love my dad to death and he's been a hugely positive influence on my life, but then I seem to always choose horrible guys. So <laughs> you would think that yeah. having such a positive father figure that I would be better, but I don't know. More therapy needed. <laughs> yeah, there's probably more therapy that needs to be to happen. Mm -hmm. What did he? Um, so your dad obviously he knew you competed because you always keep them in in mind when you meet perverts, uh, photographers. Mm -hmm. But was he the the type to come see you compete? No, but I was also living in Vancouver okay. the entire time I competed in there here in Ottawa. Does those pictures bother him? No, actually. And uh, funny enough, uh, he's like very big businessman um, and uh, been on the board of directors for various companies. And uh, a few of his colleagues, their daughters have hired me as a coach. And I think it actually makes him feel very proud that there's this connection and, and, and I, I know that they're proud of me for sure. And it's been cool when I've had big, like when my client won bodybuilding.com's $200,000 transformation challenge, I was actually at their house when I got the call from bodybuilding.com. And I remember seeing the look on my dad's face 
And I could just see how proud he was of me. And like, I think for dads, like a lot of, especially their generation, right. They don't really go out of their way to, you know, shower you with affection or, or loving compliments and stuff like that. So to just get that, see that pure, proud, natural response on his face. Like, I'll never forget that because it it made me feel so good. And to see like, wow, dad's really proud of me. So that was baby boomer dads are not the best at showing affection. No, (laughs) but I think we need to accept that's just their generation, right? Like they're always like you kids and your goddamn feelings. Like we're too busy working to care about our feelings. (laughs) But then right now it's switched to the complete opposite where the parents are overdoing it and nurturing kids into safe space that they can't take any type of criticism at all because they've been told that they were special their whole life when there's nothing special about them. And I'm sorry to say, but it's, it's swung the complete opposite spectrum. Yes. Agreed. But guys were bad at that though. In general, the average guy, you need to know the guy that you're dealing with and how they decide to show affection or Mm -hmm. show that they're proud. It's probably not going to be physical. It might be physical. It might not be with words, though. Mm -hmm. But you know what? As we're talking about this, I realized that I don't like it when a guy is overly into Mm -hmm. his feelings and overly sensitive because my dad is not like that. There you go. So there's a full circle. We got it. We got it. (laughs) No, but there you go. This is, and I don't think it's a bad thing either because if you associate that as being a man and your dad had a great image, like in your head, your dad is what a man is. Why wouldn't you look for traits that he possessed? Mm Mm-hmm. Why not? No, you're right. Yeah. You're, well, my dad's not jacked. <laughs> Again, not physical. That's probably like, that's probably why you like jacked guys. Because if your dad was super jacked, maybe you'd be like, what the fuck? I don't, yeah, I'm not attracted yeah. to that. So you'd yeah, be attracted to scrawny men. <laughs> Ouch. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, um, but this is an interesting thing you're bringing up while we're even going back to hiring an unfit coach. As somebody who has been like, you know, on the, the dating scene lately and trying out online dating, I, I realize it's hard as somebody who sculpts bodies for a living that, you know, I'm looking at, first of all, I, I noticed their skin health and I'm thinking, oh, this guy looks like he eats 10 chicken wings and a six pack yeah. of beer every day. Or, you know, I'm like, oh, where are his rear delts? You know, come on. Like, do you-? <laughs> you know? and then I think, okay, is this the health coach in me that is just going too much over the line here? Or, you know, do I just need to, to come from a place of, oh, well, I'll help him get jacked. I'll, but no, because then that's trying to change somebody. So that's horrible too. <laughs> so you've created a lot of um, food disorder in men that you've dated then. Okay. I well, see. you know, it's funny. I always say it's hard for me because the vegan guys that are attracted to me worry they're not jacked enough. And then the jacked guys who are attracted to me worry they're not vegan enough. So I'm screwed on both, (laughs) both accounts. Is it see that that brings a different, that brings an interesting topic because I want to go back to your bodybuilding, uh, like your bodybuilding contest that I want to talk about, because that's very interesting, but 
the I've I've seen a lot of posts from women in general because on Instagram I think it's 60 to 70 percent women of them saying that all they want for Christmas is a vegan man and I think mm. it's fucking hilarious but is it that complicated as a vegan woman to find a vegan man that's not a scrawny soy boy as we like to call them like I you know what I mean by a soy boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sorry for anybody there that eats a lot of soy. It has nothing to do with that, right? It's like um, this scrawny little hippie guy that spends his his days on his laptop at Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, I feel blessed that most of my ex boyfriends uh, were not vegan, but I had a good influence on them. Like my the last guy I just broke up with, he went was complete hardcore meat eater and even now since we've broken up he's still vegan and he has and he was a big health fanatic eating out the tupperware containers everything portion and now he's just completely transitioned that to a vegan bodybuilder diet so that's cool and even the son the father of my son same thing he respects the fact that our son is vegan and he's i guess vegetarian now um, so I don't think I specifically seek out vegan guys. I would rather find the guy I'm attracted to and then just slowly let my vegan ways trickle into his life and then him notice the health benefits for himself and make the transition because he realizes how much better he feels on a plant-based diet. Is it, but is there a lot like on, if you're on dating applications, are there a lot of vegan men out there? They're probably not that much. It's funny. I've had, since I've been on this app, I've had three vegan guys, two of which were already following me on Instagram and have already uh, like sent me messages in the past. <laughs> and then uh, the third one, I feel kind of bad because he basically shot himself in the foot and kept saying, well, I'm just going to warn you. I used to be obese and I've lost a ton of weight, but I'm still on my fitness journey, but I've got a lot of loose skin and going on and on. And it's like, dude, you just killed my boner right there. You know, mm. like I'd rather you not be, be flawed, but own it as opposed to painting yeah. a picture of, you know, how, how non-attracted to you I'm going to be before I've even met you. So I never went through with meeting him because the lack of confidence was far yeah. less attractive than the lack of muscles. Yeah, that I can understand that, that again, it's psychology right there. Demol you can't demolish your image even before presenting it. Yeah. And well, that's a that big one, right? With like people's energy is, is that, and I find this with online dating, I think because they creep me and they see, oh, she's got a decent amount of followers and, and she's got an online presence. So they, they, they set themselves up to make themselves not be desirable because they've already figured that they're not going to be what I'm into. So the energy they bring to the date is they've already given up before they're even shooting their shot. Right. And, and that you can feel that. And I'm sure it's the same with anyone, right? Confidence is sexy. And even if you have to fake it, you know, who cares what your physical appearance is? If you're confident, that is far more sexy than having the perfect physique. It is very interesting. I, I don't know that they even realize that they're doing it either. Maybe. But that shows a lot of lack of self-understanding. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it also shows a lot of psychology. Uh, psychology. There, there has to be psychic problems there too. Like if somebody right. is up front that much demolishing their own image, behind the scene, it must be ugly. Mm-hmm. Like there, you know that deep down there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we all have our baggage, right? We're all, you know, not we're all flawed, but I think it's the difference between who is actively working on their shit and, you know, figuring out their triggers and patterns and whatnot. And, you know, cause the work never ends, right. We know that, yeah. but for the people that, yeah, they're, they don't even have enough awareness around yeah. what their issues are you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond that phase. So I don't want somebody who's at that stage for sure. Yeah. Awareness is key in everything. Mm -hmm. Awareness is key. The go back to your story about the bodybuilding thing. We, we talked about it. So you had a cust, you had a client that was that entered a bodybuilding.com contest. Mm -hmm. They won, they made like 200 grand. Uh, well, she, so she actually came, flew from LA to hear me talk at Veg Expo in Vancouver one year and introduced herself to me after the show and, and said, you know, I've been following you for a while and I want to enter bodybuilding.com's uh, 12 week transformation challenge. I want, I've been meat eater my whole life, but I've always wanted to go vegan. So for this 12 week period, I want to see what I can accomplish as a vegan. And I want you to coach me. And so, you know, to me, she was just any regular client, whatever, this was her little goal. Let's do it. And 345,000 people entered this competition worldwide. The grand prize was uh, $200,000, but it was actually split between a female winner got 80 grand, a male winner got 80 grand, and then the remaining money was like a people's choice award or something. Um, And anyways, she bodybuilding.com 12 weeks later called me out of the blue said we've chosen your client as the winning female and we want to fly you to LA to present her with this bag of cash And it was, yeah, pretty awesome to have her open the hotel room door. And I'm in there with the full camera crew. And that was huge for veganism for something that, you know, bodybuilding.com, that's like the number one fitness website, or it was at least for many, many years. It was like the only, the the OG grandfather uh, website for bodybuilding and to have this vegan, you know, and unfortunately she's not vegan anymore, but that just goes to show the power of plants. Right. And if you see her transformation in that six weeks or a 12 week time period, it was pretty impressive. It used, I remember uh, bodybuilding.com like forum base. Mm-hmm. Just, you go <laughs> yeah. there. It was just, you had an answer for, <laughs> you had a question for something. It's yeah. all forums and you just a whole bunch through. of bros giving their yeah. bro science opinion. It's really like the Reddit of bodybuilding. Yes. I don't know if it's yes, changed exactly. over the years, but it's all it was when I was on there. Yeah. Well, and that was all we had to go off of for a yeah. long time. Right. And yeah. like, even when I started, like that was why I started my blog back in 2012 was because I decided to enter my first competition and I realized, wow, there is no information. Yeah 
information for vegans, let alone female vegans. And so I went off those bodybuilding.com forums a lot, but I basically veganized all of the advice I was getting from those forums. So, you know, thank you to all those bros back in the 90s (laughs) for (laughs) sharing your wisdom. (laughs) And now we have vegan bros. The the actual website vegan bros or you no mean, no I'm <laughs> saying that now there that's bro, a thing too <laughs> the vegan bros yeah the two guys yeah yeah no but I'm saying that now we have people we have bros that are vegan I call myself meatless meathead meat I uh, I thought of a term that's called brogans they're vegan <laughs> bros. <laughs> um, what is the uh, I made a vegan shirt veganswolemates.com I own oh, and I have a shirt hey you should make this shirt I've got the l- little logo for it and everything and it's it's two jacked plant arms with a heart behind them like linked around each other and says vegan swolemates send it over <laughs> okay send it over we'll do it <laughs> yeah we'll we'll, do, we'll share we'll the profits yeah we'll hey guys everyone and- listening valentine's day is coming up if you've got a vegan lover and you like to lift heavy, we've got the shirt for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Veganswolmates.com. Yeah, veganswolmate. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually a good play on words. I know, right? I actually bought that that website because I wanted to make a vegan like fitness dating like site and to like fo- feature jacked vegan couples on there. And I even started an Instagram page years ago, but never did anything with it. But if you search hashtag vegan swolemates, you might be able to find it. <laughs> why, why didn't you continue with that? That's a good idea. Well, just time. Come on, Nico. I've already got a protein powder, a cookbook, a coaching business, a blog, a podcast, a child. <laughs> what have you done lately? It's all that matters. What have you done lately? Well, now I'm actively working on the finding the jacked vegan boyfriend. That takes time, you know. Uh, but that's a great idea, though. Uh, that's very precise. Meat. Yeah, that's very very precise. Having a vegan jacked vegan website, dating website. Well, not just like dating, but to to focus to feature you know, these couples, because there are a lot of vegan couples out there. And a lot of most a lot of vegans care about their fitness and their health, too. Right. So and it's a growing niche. You know that. Right. It is. It's been cool to watch having been in this space since 2012 to see in the 10 years where we've come is crazy. Competing's exploded and veganism's exploded. So it's uh, it's very cool. I remember on Instagram when you would search the hashtag vegan bodybuilding and it was like, you know, a few thousand posts come up. Now it's yep. like billions, <laughs> you yep. know, so it's cool. The, I was doing research last week and they were saying that um, uh, an American study was showing that in 2019, 0.4% of people identified as vegan. In 2021, so within the span of two years, it went up to 3.5%. That's 875% increase in two years. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about vegetarians and we're not talking about plant-based people. We're talking about people that associate as vegans. Yeah. That's almost nine times more within a span of two years. Yeah. 
Well, and it's crazy too that that people nowadays still try to use the excuse of, you know, um, oh, it's too hard. It's like I was a vegetarian in the 90s when I remember Eve's veggie dogs hit the market. And, you know, there is now a substitute for absolutely everything under the sun. So this. So, yeah, I think that's helped big time that why now so many people find it easy to identify as a vegan. It's amazing how it is definitely easy nowadays because 12 years ago when I stopped eating meat, same thing. Mm-hmm. Finding you, you didn't go to the grocery store and have aisles of stuff that you can cho- you can choose from. You had to make your own food. Yeah, exactly. And even then the recipes weren't there. Yeah. And even, yeah, you go to a restaurant, even people say, oh, well, you know, eating out, it's fine. It's easy at home. But no, that's crap too, because I'm always impressed. Every single restaurant nowadays, they have some kind of vegan option, right? Even McDonald's does. Yeah, I know. I think it's hilarious to see, you know, everyone copying A&W now, right? With their vegan options not that either of us probably eat at these places very often but but hey it's awesome i fully support it do well any options i like the fact well we spoke about this a bit before the podcast where most people have their vegan journey is slower than just waking up one day and saying i'm done Mm -hmm. most people have a journey maybe they go through being vegetarian or they just added a few meals every now and then and then they started learning more about what happens behind the door of the meat industry and they chose to go vegan but it's Mm -hmm. normally a journey yeah so i'm always good even if i don't need that type of stuff i'm still good with people having an option and maybe saying that you know the person that goes to mcdonald's sees the burger and says i wonder what the fuck it's all about Mm -hmm. they try it and they're like oh shit this is not bad or this is great i wouldn't have known the difference yeah maybe that's the one thing that's gonna make them question maybe well it's the same as how many vegans hate on vegetarians which i always find so shocking because it's like hey we all started as a vegetarian i know very few people who are not vegetarian prior to going vegan Mm. and yes once you you know learn that the dairy industry is actually even more cruel than the meat industry but everybody has their own journey. And I always think it's better to take baby steps. That's why I think someone going from hardcore, you know, North American diet, suddenly wanting to enter a vegan bodybuilding competition. It's like, maybe let's start, you know, with just getting you into a consistent routine of, of, you know, a normal clean vegan diet, as opposed to very restrictive, hardcore vegan bodybuilder diet, baby steps. What, this is an interesting point because that's another thing that I find it kind of breaks my heart to hear people bash vegetarians, for example, or I've been I've used this example before, but I'm going to use it again. I I've been I'm somebody that does free hugs. I love to do free hugs. And I I've saw been that. this year. I've done it. I've given hugs to thousands and thousands of people. And I love to post video of them because I like the way it makes people feel. And I've had people write bad comments because I should not be giving hugs to non-vegan people. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what the fuck are we going for here? Like, how does that make any sense? 
they have all the compassion in the world for animals but they forget that we are animals too mm-hmm. somehow so does that I, I mean know. they don't associate with any <laughs> one who isn't a vegan because that's probably a pretty lonely life you know Oof. and yeah and it was goes back to what we were saying before we started recording like I inspire, you know, you know what this reminds me of is how many hardcore vegans make a stink about those of us who don't go out to protests on the regular. And it's like, excuse me, my entire business is vegan. I only work with vegans. I help convert the biggest meat eaters in the meat fueled industry of bodybuilding to a plant-based diet. And you're going to tell me that because I'm not out on this, this, you know, with a picket sign every weekend that you're a better vegan than me. Like I cannot handle those people i don't there has to be something else going on if you feel because there's extremes in everything right Mm -hmm. no no matter if it's political if it's what you eat or your life your beliefs there's always belief systems that are that are going to be on the edges they're going to be considered very extreme and it's hard to it's easy to go overboard Mm -hmm. Like this year I was called an activist. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not an activist. (laughs) And then the guy that's an activist is like, you make t-shirts about vegans. You have a podcast that's only vegan Mm -hmm. and you only talk about veganism on your profile. How are you not an activist? I'm like, motherfucker, you're right. (laughs) But well, we, it's all our own journey and our own version of activism. Right. And I do like to do you know, protests, I've given speeches at protests before, you know, and I do what I do what I can, but for vegans to be judging other vegans based on our level of veganism, this is why so many people hate vegans. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so we're, we're not actually doing the cause any favors. Like I would so much rather have all my non-vegan friends over and cook them a nice vegan dinner and, you know, have them be like, Hey, this was pretty good. And I don't feel disgusting after eating this meal, you know, or like, damn, Sam is in really good shape and she hasn't touched a dead animal in 30 plus years. You know, that holy shit, you're that old. I'll be 40 in July. (laughs) Are you really? (laughs) Yeah. No, and that's another thing. That's another way to inspire people. Yeah. People never guess my age. And I always say, yeah, healthy lifestyle. What's that quote? Genetics loads the trigger or sorry, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. Right. And it's so true. I would have thought you were like 45 or 50, but whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Well, that's how old you are, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, no, not quite. I'm getting there. What are you? What are you? 39. I'm turning 40 in like three months. Oh, so we're the same age then. Yeah, Yeah. I'm 40 in July. How do you feel about turning the big (laughs) 4-0? Doesn't matter to me. No? Okay. Well, that's good. You know, I've... I've been in top shape, peak performance when I was fighting. I couldn't have run better. I feel so much better in my body now that I did in my 30s and even my 20s. I'm stronger than I used to be. My body feels better than it used to be. And I've had multiple surgeries and it's, I don't know. I don't, you know, there's there's a principle for men at least that we get better with age because mm-hmm. this get is more a subject distinguished that, looking 
No, but it's more than that. There's a concept behind it that explains that. They, oh man, people are not gonna like this, but fuck. It, <laughs> um, so there's a concept that explains like as soon as a woman gets her period, we assume that she's a woman. She doesn't mm-hmm. need to do anything else. If the day that you're capable of procreating, basically, the society will see you as a woman. Mm-hmm. For men, we're not like that. Men, you need to become a man. You're not, which is why if you look in any society that's ever existed, there's always rite of passages for men. There's always things that the tribe makes you do to make you, you know what? You're capable of doing such and such. You are mm-hmm. now considered a man. Right. And unfortunately, men, when we're young in our teens and our 20s, we're, we don't have any purpose. We, we don't know what we want to do when we grow up. We're very immature. We're still trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why in our 20s, we have no value. Why do you think most military men are, are in their 20s? And those are the people that are going to die in wars. Why do you think they say women and children first? Right. When there's something that happens because they understand that the value comes from somebody that can support life. A woman mm-hmm. can create life. Yeah. She needs as sexist as this is going to sound. She is still the best caregiver that a children, a child can have. Yeah. She's more nurturing. She's more caring than mm-hmm. the average person, which is why 70% of people that graduate medical school now are women. Mm. And I'm all for it. If I want a doctor, I want them to be nurturing and caring. Right. If women are more like that, fuck yeah, more women doctors. I'm all I'm all for it. Right. But at the same time, men, we don't discover our purpose until we're 30 and 40. Right. It takes time because we need to prove to people that we are indeed men. Right. This is why we normally have more value as we get older. Right. Yeah. No, I would believe that. So but I mean, I think sexist. all of us, no, I, and I think all of us right now, nowadays, you know, they're saying 50 is the new 30, right? Yeah. And I, I think I even have a picture on my Instagram of um, Blanche from Golden Girls. Remember, she was the sexy yeah. one. Her yeah. at age 50 yeah. is what JLo is today, you know? And like, yeah. look at, they're both the same age and that's crazy. Like JLo at 50 is absolutely stunning, you know, and she looks better than most like 25 year old women. Right. So I think that's a cool thing about society today, as long as we don't feel too much pressure by it. And I think for women, especially we feel big time pressure to be as youthful and beautiful as, as possible. Right. But what do you think that is? Well, I think social media is to blame big time. I think a lot of uh, these reality shows, like I'm always shocked that they they all have the lip injections. They all have, you know, the fake everything. And it's, it's kind of scary to think that, you know, this unnatural look is becoming what is, what we're deeming, you know, is, is beautiful instead of embracing our natural beauty, you know? So I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I find it very interesting because I've had that conversation with a lot of people in the past and a lot of women that I spoke to blame society and especially men Mm. for that. But what's interesting is look at the look at the the clothing industry, all designed by gay men and women. 
Hmm. Not a lot of straight guys in the clothing. All the all the clothes that we wear are all designed by gay guys and women. Right. And somehow men were identified as the bad person in there. But hmm. the funniest thing is most of the quality men, and I'm not, as we were talking earlier, I'm not talking trash at the bottom people that only follow women to like their pic- their bikini pictures, but I'm talking about men that are illuminated that actually have an idea of they're quality men. Let's call them that. They don't want that at all. That's what I was going to say. I think you most don't find men that attractive. don't, want, no. <laughs> don't like that. So the funniest part is that most women feel like shit because of other women. Mm-hmm. You guys are ruthless on each other. Mm-hmm. Men will fight. We'll, we'll bang it out. Most of the yeah. time you'll finish with respect. Or at least we might not like them. But you know what? You stood your ground. I respect you as an individual. You're still an asshole, but at least I respect you. Mm-hmm. But women, you guys play the psychological game and you fucking destroy. Even going back pro- to childhood, right? Oh, yeah, same absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Little yes. girls are ruthless <laughs> in the way they tease each other. Absolutely yeah. brutal. Yeah, but I actually have a rule with, with social media is... I won't follow anybody that makes me feel bad about myself. My rule is unless I could see myself being friends with this person in real life, I'm not going to follow them. If looking at their photos makes me feel bad about my own body, I'm not going to follow them. And I think if more women could apply that same Mm. rule to, they they probably like, it's called comparisonitis, right? We're all comparing ourselves against each other, whether it's comparing in a I'm better than, or I'm worse than. And it's, it's awful. And, and, you know, I think social media is definitely to blame for a lot of that, because at least when, when I was younger, we only had magazines to make us feel like shit about ourselves now we can't we can't escape it it's you know every platform you go on you're bombarded with it with that being said don't you believe that you cause that to other women good question and again i i think you're probably right and and of course it feels good to have other women say oh i wish i looked like you and and i do get that a lot and i think that's why i feel it's so crucial for me in this role to talk about, oh shit, I'm almost 40. You know, that, that messes with me who my whole life, I felt like I'm hot shit, you know? And then to realize that like, it's not just about my physical appearance. And, you know, I would rather put out inspiring blog posts and and podcasts about, you know, things that matter a lot more than, you know, getting Botox and, you know, lip injections and, and all that stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, none of us can help how we're born looking. And, you know, of course I put in effort to look and feel my best, whether it's working out or putting makeup on, I enjoy that stuff, but I also know, and that's one cool thing about getting older is, is we start to rely more on who we are and not just what we look like. Right. So, and I think if you can embrace that mentality, aging will be a lot easier on you than, then yeah just realizing oh shit my whole business has been you know built around being attractive and now what (laughs) right but same with athletes you know you need to have other things that light you up once your career in that sport ends or whatever or you can just start catering to 40 year old women that wants to look good Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And it's cool how many mother clients I have now since becoming a mother myself. Right. But that's big business though. Mm -hmm. Like there's, um, there's a lot of uh, interest in fitness and mothers. Yep. Yeah. Because kids destroy your body. Maybe you don't say that to the guys you're going to go on dates with. Piece well, I had a C-section, ah. so <laughs> <laughs> I just have the scar. Um, but no, but it is true. It, it, whether you want to admit it or not, it does change your body mm. and your body will never be the same. But like, is it possible to bounce back and, mm. and still feel beautiful and, and fit and all those things? Yeah, of course. But it's not easy. And you know, I feel bad for a lot of the women who weren't fit going into their pregnancies because yeah. it's a lot harder to to get fit if you, yeah. you know, weren't fit going into it. But being vegan helps, for sure. How is that? Is that an excuse you hear all the time from potential clients that they had kids and this is the reason that they look like this, but yet you look at pictures before they had kids, they looked the same, basically? Oh, yeah, of course. Big time. How do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, it's tough, right? Because you never want to discourage somebody completely. And of course, there have been amazing transformations, but it's all about how much work are you willing to put in? Because, you know, if if it's a priority, you'll find time. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. And for me, fitness, whether it was before I had my son or afterwards, like there were times when I was literally midnight doing pull-ups and air squats in my bedroom before bed, just so I could lay my head down on, on my pillow every night and know that I did something to, to feel like the fit, healthy person that I am. And I think that's just, you need to establish that mindset if you want to actually be your optimal, that's what I like to say is always figuring out what your optimal is and it's going to look different for other people, but you need to make the time for that because it's important to you. And that's the problem. It's not important enough to, to people. Their why needs to be stronger than the temptation to sit on their ass and watch Netflix all night or grab the bag of chips. Your why needs to be so much stronger than that. And it has to be a, Uh, an important priority in your life, just like brushing your teeth. Do you, what do you think about motivation? Does, do you, you, you probably bring that subject up with your, with your clients. How do you deal with keeping somebody motivated? I, and I get this all the time where I think so many people They hire the coach and they tell themselves, oh, great, I've hired the coach. I'm on the right path. Now I'm going to finally accomplish my goals and get fit because I've hired the coach. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. And I use this cheesy analogy where I say, I've given you the roadmaps, but it's up to you to do the driving. Now you can take the scenic route that, you know, there's more fun things to check out along the way and you're going to get there later on, but you had fun getting there. Or you can take the quickest, most direct route possible, but it's not going to be enjoyable, you know, that drive. So it's really up to you. Like I always say, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I'm not a big believer in crash diets. Sure. If that's the route you want to take, I'll write you the crash diet, but it's not going to be sustainable. 
the motivation has to come from within. And again, your why, your reason for doing this needs to be so strong that you remind yourself of that every day. And again, it's it's coming from a place of the journey is the destination, as cheesy as that sounds. But it's it's not about, this is a problem with society though. We all want something right here, right now. People aren't willing to put in the work, you know, like girl, Oh, I've been training for a month straight and dieting. Like, but my butt still looks the same. Yeah. Because it's going to take a long time to get a walnut crushing ass, you know, like it doesn't happen overnight. And you know, this, then everybody's body is different too. Right. So there's so many factors that go into it, but that motivation has to come from within because I can pump you up. You can do it like over and over and over, but at the end of the day, it's on you. And I'm just showing you the way to do it, but you're the one doing it. The you're, you're absolutely right. The why needs to be stronger than anything else that there's absolutely no doubt about it. Same thing applies to veganism actually. Mm -hmm when because you probably have you because you only deal with vegan clients or vegan curious client yep do you have vegan curious clients that become vegan but then when they stop working with you they go back to what they was before or you you yeah for sure and i mean it, it with this business it's so hard right because some people I'm with them for years and then other people get their first set of plans and then I never hear from them again. And it's funny because I always used to think, oh, this, it must be me. They must have hated the program. It must have yeah. been too hard or blah, blah, blah. And then I read the four agreements. I don't know if you've read that book, no. but uh, two of the agreements are don't make assumptions and don't take things personally. Yeah, and having agreed. applied those two agreements to my business, my personal life, and it, it always turned out I'd hear from these people years later and, oh, I fell off the wagon and I was too embarrassed to, to let you know. And it was all about them. It had nothing to do with me at all, you know? So I, yeah, it, it is unfortunate that I think just so many people, they just lack that inner discipline and, and they're all, all all or nothing mentality. And I think that can be very dangerous as well, because, you know, if you, if you aren't perfect, then you say, screw it. And I use the, the, uh, analogy of, you know, you, you drop your cell phone on the ground. You don't then go, Oh shit, I dropped my cell phone. Okay. I'm just going to stomp it into the ground into a million pieces. No, you pick it up. You, blow it off and you say, okay, just a tiny scratch. Okay. No big deal. You know, but why can't we apply that same mentality to our, our diet and our training? Right. And just accept we're human. We're never going to be perfect, but we're going to do our best. We're going to have a conscious, mindful effort and trust that it will pay off. And we just got to keep putting in the work. Well, there's two, there's two reasons I can think of to answer what you just asked there. One is because self-love is the toughest type of love out there. Mm -hmm. And second, we are more prone to help people in need than to help ourselves. So take, for example, um, somebody that has, uh, that needs um, a transplant, that needs to do dialysis, that needs to be stuck to a machine eight hours a night until they wait for somebody that they can take their organ from. There's research that shows that a lot of the people, because I don't know if you know, but once 
you get a body part from somebody else, your body will reject it automatically. Mm -hmm. It's foreign. Your immune system tries to get rid of it. So you take medication in order to lower your immune system's response. So you lower your immune system. It doesn't respond as much to the new organ and your new organ will eventually hopefully be part of you. Right. A lot of people go through the dialysis, go through the nightmare of dialysis, and then they get the organ and they don't take the medication. So the body doesn't react well. But yet those same people will do everything they do for their dogs that's getting sick (laughs) as to going to the vet, paying for the treatment, Mm -hmm. making sure they get all the pills. I don't know what the name for the principle is, but it's absolutely astonishing that people do not want to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and they feel they, they like the purpose of taking care of others, yes. right? Whereas it's uncomfortable, it's icky to have to dig deep into yourself to, you know, find out how to love yourself and, and determine what your worth is. Because since you've been a child, you've been telling yourself you don't deserve love. You don't, you aren't worth it. You know, you're not enough kind of thing. And I think that is the biggest hurdle for people. And you know, but instead they want the easy fix. Oh, I'll just buy this, this coaching program online and that'll solve all my problems. And then I'll finally love myself. Well, no, you have to love yourself first and then in order to do that. Exactly. Exactly. You need to love who you are enough to say, fuck it. I'm done. Let's do it. Yeah. Easier said than done, but you're right. It's very difficult to master that. But, and it's always a work in progress because, you know, I don't know if you've done inner child healing, but that inner child is, is always, you know, trying to keep you safe. And they do that by reminding you of all the things that you're not, you know, but you need to be the adult you who is wise and who has been around long enough to know, Hey, we're good. I got this, you know, and yeah, I could nerd out on this stuff for hours. (laughs) <laughs> I love psychology. I love human behavior. Absolutely yeah, love too. it. It's no, but it's amazing. It's this is the reason why I do so much self work is because mm-hmm. I real it allows me to realize how I am mm-hmm. and to see how other people are too. Yeah, it's in a very we're very weird human beings. Mm-hmm. We're very very strange. Mm-hmm. We, you know the. One of the toughest thing for people to be is selfish. We're so used to hearing the words, the word selfish as being a negative word. Mm-hmm. And it can be, don't get me wrong, you selfishness can be brutal. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the reason I take time to read every day, the reason I eat properly, the reason I'm I'm training, the reason I believe in self-growth and self-discovery is because of my selfishness for myself. How can you love yourself if you're not selfish? You can't. Well, and I say the same thing about being a mom and I still make sure that I get my workout in every day and I prep my healthy food. And I would rather put the TV on for my two-year-old so that I can cook us a healthy meal, you know, rather than order in, but be, you know, present with him in that moment or whatever. And I know that me working out makes me a better mom because I have more self-love for myself and I can look at the mirror and, and be proud of, you know, how, how hard I've worked to achieve, you know, this healthy body and mind. And that 
how can that be a bad thing? You know, but, but it's true. Parents, especially, oh, I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Like, okay, well, really look at your, what you do prioritize in life. What do you make time for? Because those are the things that are important to you and we all do it. And for me, when I'm planning my day, it's always planning around my workout. That's just something I do. And it's, you know, part of my life. And that's what, what they're missing. They need to make that a priority. And they should even see it a step further. If you look at, I've always been in shape. I've never, never not been in shape. I'm, let's say, 40 years old. I've competed in basketball. Then I competed in martial arts. And now I have no reasons to be in shape except for the fact that I love mm -hmm. feeling, I, lo I feel good in my body. Me too. And you know where that comes from? If, you, if I look at the root of it, it comes from my dad and my mother being military. Mm -hmm. From a very young age, I was shown that physical activity was a must. Mm -hmm. And I was encouraged to be outside, to be playing sport, to be playing in the woods, to be doing something that was physical. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was always a must. It is cut my two legs and my two arms. I'll figure something out <laughs> I can do with the upper body and my head. But on top of that, we never really ate restaurant crap. My mom always cooked. So mm. for me, being a good cook was always a must. And so my mother, she, without she doesn't even realize that consciously that she's done that. But because of her pushing me into being into sports, I've always been extremely athletic. But because she showed me how to eat properly, mm -hmm. I've always ate properly. Hmm. So it's another angle that those parents should consider is, is that they are the image that their kids sees first. Yeah. If you're if you see your parents eating junk food, if you see your parents being lazy, not not exercising, not taking care of themselves, they will automatically associate that with normality. So but it is them, funny that you say this though, because I've over the years had a few clients say to me, well, have you ever been obese though? Have you ever been out of shape? Like they are wanting me to say that, uh, yes, I was, and I lost a hundred pounds and then yeah. they would feel comfortable hiring <laughs> me because they think I can't relate or that I'm yep. genetically gifted. And I think, but why wouldn't you want to work with somebody who has just always had yep. those good habits in place? Yep. You know, Absolutely. that should be more inspiring to you than, but, but I, yeah, I, I don't get that mentality, but I think people are just always looking for justification yep. for why they are the way that they are rather than acknowledging again, those uncomfortable icky truths that, you know, are hidden deep down in there that they don't yep. even want to recognize, but when they can dig deep enough to get to the root of that stuff, that's where the magic happens. Right. I, I've wondered the same question as you many times. I, I was speaking about it last week, about mm -hmm. how people love that story of somebody that lost a bunch of weight. And never did I hear somebody get praised for never being out of shape. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. what's the biggest accomplishment? Spending 30 years of your life destroying your body with poor diet and a lack of exercise, then 
you find whatever changes your mind and thank God that you found it. I'm very happy for you. And I'm not saying that is not a great journey and I'm, I will clap for you and I will always encourage mm -hmm. you to do better. But at the same time, you spent most of your life destroying your body. You find a way to get into the best shape of your life. You're praised for that and as you should be. But at the same time, you see people, how many times have I heard that? Oh, it's because you're, you're genetically gifted. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck you. You know what? Go fuck yourself. How much work <laughs> have I put in over the years to always be careful Yeah. when people were going out drinking, when people were going out doing this and doing that? I'm mm -hmm. at the restaurant eating salad because 10 years ago, there wasn't any vegan or vegetarian <laughs> options. Fries and salad. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, how many times? Yeah. But but you know what? That, that portion drives me nuts mm -hmm. that you get no praise. It's like, oh, yeah, but it's normal to you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's called discipline, something yeah. that 99.9% .9 of people don't have. Yeah, no. And I think people like I, I couldn't believe how many of my followers who'd been with me over the years were like, oh, okay, now that you've had a baby, now I can finally work with you because finally you understand what it's like. And I, I, as a mother now myself, I do get that, Yeah. but, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it should be, you know, you work with the coach where you trust that they have your back and that yep. you, your core values align with this person that should be number one more than, you know, Oh, well, you haven't lost a hundred pounds <laughs> at one point in your life. Like, sorry you know yeah but this the the, the having kids i can understand that point because it is true that it's hormonal it's going to change the way your body is absolutely well and your lifestyle too right absolutely if you need that to make part, the time that part you know what i could understand why somebody would pick you over a guy trainer mm -hmm. you know what i i i fully understand what they're coming from but saying that you want you're not going to work with a personal trainer or a fitness coach or a fitness expert that hasn't lost a hundred pounds, that's always been healthy. That may, that is ludicrous to me. That makes yeah. absolutely zero sense. <laughs> I zero. agree. But I've had a few of those. One was very recently and I thought that was bizarre too, but to each their own, I guess. True. Absolutely. Um, Man, I think we've been going for an hour, 20 minutes, something <laughs> like that. And we spoke two hours before that. Um, I got to ask you one first one question before we stop, though. I always ask the same question. Um, if you had the chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell her? Ooh, um, probably stop spending so much money on stupid shit that <laughs> doesn't matter material things. Um, and then, yeah, kind of what we've been talking about this whole time, what you're looking for is not out there. It's in here. So stop putting your worth and your value in things that are on the outside world. They're all in here and you need to work on that and, and embrace your weirdness. Like, I was, you know, eight years old when I went vegetarian out in Almont in the middle of the country. And nice. I was the weird, the weird vegetarian kid for so many years. And 
you know, now looking back, it's like, I was embarrassed of that back then. And now that weirdness created a full-time passion-based career for me. So, you know, embrace your uniqueness and, you know, yeah, just focus on here and coming from the heart and stop spending money on so much stupid shit. (laughs) I might steal that. Embrace your weirdness. I like it. Yeah, totally. Did you, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, just, uh, that I have a podcast too. And I talk about all this spiritual, mindful, meathead, hippie stuff all the time, as well as farting and bloating and all (laughs) things, vegan fitness. So, uh, if anyone wants a new podcast to listen to, it's jacked on the beanstalk, the podcast, and I'll have to get you on mine so we can geek out on all this spiritual hippie stuff some more. Uh, And yeah, and I've got a cookbook too, the Vegan Bodybuilders Cookbook, 100 Recipes on Amazon Prime, if anyone needs some more (laughs) recipe inspiration. Awesome. It It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for being on. Thanks for having me.